We call the message, There's More for You. And the more that is for you is revelation from the Lord as He speaks into your life and He draws you closer to Him and good things happen as a result of that. God reveals His secrets to you. But Paul starts talking about the gospel first. Um, he talks about plain speech and God's power. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. You know, the book of Hebrews says that the plan of God was secret. It wasn't even revealed in, to the angels uh, that they didn't fully understand the whole message of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Everybody thought the Messiah was going to come as a political power. Uh, they didn't understand the spiritual implications of the gospel. But Paul says, I came to you and I didn't use fancy words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, this is when he first came to them before they were believers, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who is crucified. And folks, when you get right down to it, that's what it's all about. It's not about Hope Chapel. It's not about Christian leadership. It's not about people who are impressive. It's not about gaining political power as Christians. It's about Jesus Christ who was crucified so it could cancel our guilt and our shame and we could come to God and be forgiven and be accepted by Him uh, though we are unworthy. That's God's message. That's God's secret plan. He says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. I came to you in weakness. I, I felt timid. I was, I was trembling. I, 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 it's an odd thing to say, but uh, every time I go away on a trip for a couple of weeks, it's scary for me to stand up here the first night that I get back. It's, it's a, it's a, I identify with Paul in this thing. But I have, I have really nothing in common with him because what he had done is gone to the synagogue in Corinth and preached the gospel, not knowing if anyone would believe him or not. And uh, the leader of the synagogue apparently believed him, and everybody else um, was divided. But he, he had made headway, and... And, and, and so he says, when I came, when he first came, I was, I was fearful. I, I didn't know what to say. Uh, and he says, my message and my preaching were very plain. And rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. One thing that you need to know about the Apostle Paul is that he had been a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, which would be kind of equivalent to being a member of the United States Senate or the Knesset today in Israel. Uh, he was a powerful religious leader. He was a Pharisee. Uh, he was schooled at the feet of Gamaliel, one of their, their I mean, it's like going to the Harvard of the day. Uh, this guy knew his stuff. And yet he says, when I went out to preach to non-believing people, I, I, I came in, in, in as simply as I could possibly come. I didn't want to use persuasive speech, anything powerful, I, I, humanly powerful. I wanted to come to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms lives. You know, sometimes I think that we forget this, and, and, and we, we get so caught up in our own church and our friends and our fellowship and the fact that we're growing and that good things are happening, and, and, and we forget that there's, there's individual stories here and there in, in the church that are going on at any given time, of people who are being delivered from alcohol, uh, people who are getting set free from anger issues in their life. People who are coming to the Lord and there's this transformational thing that happens as they hear the simple gospel that God loved you so much that he sent his only son to be crucified on a cross, not a sinner, 
but to take the sins of the world on him so that you could be, in exchange for what he did, you could be forgiven and that you could be set free from the thing that, that has you down. The, the, the message itself has the power, not the messenger. Am I, am I you know, a, 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 a preacher shouldn't be out trying to gather followers. A preacher should be out pointing people to follow Jesus Christ. And, and that's what it should be all about, you know. And, and there's this tendency in America for us to make celebrities out of leaders. And, and, it, and it's a very, very, very dangerous thing. I've seen it ruin the lives of the very people who've been made celebrities. And, and uh, not a good thing. You know, Paul wasn't the only one that came with fear and trembling. If you remember in the Old Testament, Moses, I was reading it this week in my Bible, when God called Moses out to go and speak to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, Moses argued with God until the, until the point that the Bible says that, the, that, the, that the, the, the anger of the Lord burned hot against Moses. That uh, Moses is going, I don't know how to talk. I'm, I'm scared to death of this whole thing. Uh, Jeremiah, in chapter 1 of, of Jeremiah, Jeremiah tried to get out of it. He, he just didn't trust himself. And, and he, you know, that's, that's a good place to be where you don't trust yourself. Uh, when you're sharing the Lord with people that you know, it's, it's, it's good that you're a little bit scared. It's good that you're a little bit timid. Uh, it's good that you have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't rely on human wisdom or clever arguments. Am I making sense of this? Well, going on, he talks about this. He says, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do not speak, I do speak with words of wisdom. He, he says it changes. When I'm with mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom. I, I, got, I, got, I got more to say. And, and, and the people who can hear it, I say it to them. And, and, and they're able to gather it up. And when you think of maturity, I want you to think of maturity in this way. Um, a, a, a friend of mine who was a pastor uh, gave this story once, and, and, it, and, and, and then I had a lemon tree in my yard, and I found out it's true. Uh, it's true of a lemon tree. It's true of a lime tree. It's not true of all citrus trees. But both a lemon and a lime, if they get to the point where they're bearing fruit, will have on the tree at the same time blossoms, little tiny pea-sized hard green fruit, uh, bigger hard green fruit, and ripe soft fruit that's edible. And they'll have the whole cycle on the tree at, at once. And the guy said that this is kind of like the church, that in the church we got people who are brand new, they're just blossoming in Christ. We got people who are a little bit further along in their faith and you're just kind of like a little pea-sized green lemon you know, on that tree. Um, we got people that are, 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 are yellow and juicy. You know, you, you, you've been around for a while. And maturity isn't being yellow and juicy. Maturity is being at the place in the cycle that you're supposed to be for as long as you have known the Lord. Am I making sense when I say that? And so as, as you come to church and you hear the word, uh, the, 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 the Word of God is going to do different things in different hearts because different ones of us are at different places along the spectrum. Some of us are brand new, and we're hearing things that just, wow. Others of us, are, are, are we've been around a while, and we're hearing things that become very, very practical for us. Others of us are hearing things that are just, we've been around a long time, they're just reassuring. It's encouraging for us to hear those things. And, and so he says, that when I'm among mature believers, I, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world. I'm not trying to impress the world out there or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Now, the, the wisdom we speak 
is the mystery of God. The Greek word for mystery is, gives us our word mystery. It's mysterio or mysterion, depending upon the way it's used. And, and it, it just means the closing of a mouth or a secret. I, I come to, to speak the, the secret of God's love and God's grace. Uh, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. God's plan to redeem us by the death of his son on the cross was a plan that he had before he founded creation. Interesting. God who knows all things knew that mankind would sin against him. And yet he loved us enough that knowing that he went ahead and created us. And not only that, knowing that we would sin against him, he went ahead and prepared for that with the death of his son on the cross. And as you look in the Old Testament and you read these prophetic statements about the Messiah, it all points up to Jesus. You know, if you want a, a, a short version of that, just go read Isaiah chapter 53 because that just does it in spades. But it, it, it all points to Jesus doing what he did on the cross. The, the, the mystery was there, uh, but it's understandable. And then it goes on and says, but the rulers of this world have not understood this mystery. If they had, they wouldn't have even crucified our Lord. If the world, rulers of the world figured it out, because in, as Paul is talking, he's talking about the Jewish leaders, and he's talking about the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and he goes, if those guys would have figured out what they were doing, they would have never even crucified the Lord. Uh, but if you don't have something that's open inside of you, that allows you to have faith, when you hear the word of God, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, 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 and we hear it and we respond to it and then we hear more of it and we respond to it, we hear more of it, we respond to it and, and, and things begin to unveil themselves in our life. And so they wouldn't have done it if they had had that kind of faith and responded that way. Verse nine, this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, when I think about this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the things that God has for those who love him, I think of it on two levels. I think of it, the main frame of what he's talking about here is the mystery of the gospel and how so many well-educated religious people, when they encountered Jesus, rejected him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching a, a TV series called The Naked Archaeologist. Did anybody ever see that? If, if you ever get to see it on History Channel or whatever, uh, watch it. But a friend of mine bought the whole series. There's like 150 of them. And uh, the, the guy is an Orthodox Jew. He's, he's not a Christian. But he goes up against archaeology. Ar archaeology started out basically in the 1850s uh, to go and research the Bible and then go dig up stuff that would prove the Bible. Uh, today, most archaeologists are sort of antichrist, and they do whatever they can to disprove the Bible. And this guy is a real funny guy, and he's and he's real smart. He's a actually he's a philosopher. He's got a degree in philosophy, but he goes up against them, and it's just interesting how they'll make these arguments, and then he'll just show you the simple flaw in their antichrist argument or in their anti-Judaism argument, and it, it's just kind of fun watching. Well, the 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 people of Jesus' time rejected him because of things like he did miracles on the Sabbath. It wasn't that he did miracles. In fact, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, that's when they said, this is it, we've got to kill a guy. 
because you know this is this is going to cause a lot of problems. They didn't deny the miracle. They were upset at him because he did things on the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And so those people, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, mind hasn't conceived the real plan of God. But I think there's another level that this is true, and it's true in our own lives. You know, the, 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 what's God got in store for us? You know, wh where is your life leading? Where is my life leading me? I really don't know. And what I really need to do is stay really close to the Lord and try to hear the voice of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Lord speaks to us in a still, small voice in, in our inner man. Well, to me, that's in our mind. And, and you can discern as you grow in the Lord. You can discern when it's God saying, go for this. Or when it's God saying, don't go for this. Or when it's God saying, this thing here is for you. Or it's God saying, this thing is not for you. And, and, you, and you come to this point of spiritual discernment as you read the word. You know, it starts with the Bible. It all starts with the Bible. Uh, I mean, for sure, the Bible is the word of God. So it starts there. I, I read my Bible every day. And, and, and some days it's boring. And I still read it every day. And, 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 and I find the boring parts put a framework or a background to the parts that are, that are, that are live that speak to me. And I need, I need the whole thing. But as I, as I read the Word, there's the, this is how it works in your life. As you read the Word and you, you kind of meditate on the Word, there's some days that you just know that the Lord is taking that Scripture and applying it to your life. It becomes revelation to you. And you begin to listen to the voice of the Lord through the Scripture. Then as that goes on, you come to a point where you begin to get a little more in tune with the voice of God. And, 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 and sometimes you're convicted real strongly about something and you know it's not you, it's God. And we, 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 we learn about what God has prepared for us, what we can't conceive naturally, we can conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Is this good? Well, going on, I want to take us to uh, verse 10. It says, but it was to us, we have believed, that God revealed these things by His Spirit, against by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. The Spirit of the Lord searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets, secrets for your own life. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Was that yours? I have a word of revelation for you, Donna. Right from the spirit. <laughs> How much time we got? I want to hear a story that has nothing to do with sermon. Some of you will remember this. Uh, some of you won't. But one Sunday morning about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, uh, we were having lots of problems with cell phones going off in church. I mean, uh, three or four times a, a service, there would be cell phones going off in church. And so we were trying to do everything we could to stop it. And so in the 8 o'clock service, a guy sitting like in that chair right there, uh, his phone goes off. And he starts talking on it. <laughs> and so I just had started the sermon. And I go over and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, it's my mom talking to you. And I go, let me talk to her. And so I get the phone and I go, hey, mom, you, you, you didn't raise a very smart son. 
He's in church. I'm preaching a sermon, and he's sitting here talking to you on the phone. And, I mean, the whole congregation was just like... <sighs> and so I had a glass of water on a table. I just took the cell phone over and dropped it in the glass of water. And everybody went... <gasps> it was a setup. The guy had two cell phones. One was an old dead one, and one was in his pocket. His wife was in the back. She called him, saw it rang. He opened up the other one. I went over there and did the thing on the phone. Oh, man, you, you should have seen, you should have been in church. That was a fun, fun day. But people got the picture about don't do the phone. But then, here's the funnier thing. We videotaped it when we did it. So I got up to preach the second sermon. And, and I, I get up and I go, you know, I want to show you a video of what happened about two hours ago in this room. And we showed a video of the thing. And the second group just about fell off their chairs. I mean, it was, it was just, It says in verse 10, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. There isn't a person who knows Jesus Christ, who won't say something happened inside of me the day that I surrendered to the Lord. It, it, may, it may be some radical, transforming miracle that took place where you had some horrible behavior in your life and you were set free from it. That happens. It doesn't happen to everybody, but it happens. It may be simply that suddenly you just felt peace that you never felt before or happiness that you never felt before. But somehow, as the Lord imparted his spirit to you, there's something transformational that happened in you. As we mature in the Lord, what's supposed to be happening is that we're supposed to be growing in relationship with the Holy Spirit as he reveals the things of God to us and kind of shows us this is the way I walk in it. Am I making sense when I say that? The book of Psalms puts it in this way in Psalm 32. It says to a person who's led by the Spirit, when you're, when you're walking in the way and you're faced with a decision, you will hear a voice behind you. Interesting, it says behind you, but it's really in your mind, saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, whether it's to the right or to the left or go straight ahead, the Lord will give you direction and he'll, he'll show you insight into decisions that you have to make. Well, verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom, Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. I have a friend who's one of the brightest men that I ever knew in my life. And um, way, way back, when Apollo 13 got stuck going around the moon, and they, they needed to figure out how to get them home. In the days, this is way before PCs were on everybody's desk, you know. Uh, they, they gave him access to a computer, um, and they gave him a, a room full of 36 engineers and, and said, you figure out, we have 180 seconds of burn time on, on that, that lunar landing rocket. We have to use that to get these guys home. Should we do it in three 60-second bursts? 
Should we do it in a whole bunch of two-second bursts? How, how should we do it? What's gonna, how are we going to save the lives of these guys? And this man and his team did this. When I met him, he was angry. He, his girlfriend had become a believer, and she stopped sleeping with him. And he was furious at me. And we met, and we, we, we argued to the point of yelling at each other. We, we kind of liked each other. It was a very weird argument. And uh, after, after it was over, he had to go back to work. And he said, guys, shook my hand and said, you know, I kind of enjoyed this. We need to do this again sometime. And um, uh, later on, uh, his girlfriend brought him to our church. And this, this is a guy with several degrees after his name. He's a scientist. He's gone on into the publishing business, become very, very well off with that whole thing. And he's done a lot of things in his life. But uh, he comes in church and a, and a biker who had been a wild man, a guy who, had, who, who had, had gone to prison for selling drugs, got beat up, so he started pumping iron. And he came out angry and big. And he was punching just about anything that would move. And he came to church to beat up the pastor so his friend would quit, quit talking to him about Jesus. And somebody hugged him, and he accepted the Lord that night. And he was radically transformed. I mean, radically, drastically transformed. Several months go by, and this other guy, who's, who's an atheist, who's mad at me because his girlfriend stopped sleeping with him, shows up at a church dinner that we did. And the biker, still looking scary, really scary, come up and just bear hugged this guy and, and said, hey, man, Jesus loves you, and so do I. And my friend's heart melted that night. Two days later, he was in my office and he accepted the Lord. Uh, today, he's retired. He's on the volunteer staff, I mean, like 40 hours a week at the church that I used to pastor in California. This is what the Spirit of the Lord does when it gets a hold of a person's heart and life. And what Paul's saying is that uh, if you're not born of the Spirit, you can't understand and evaluate these things. See, I just told you the story of two men. One, his friend is telling him about Jesus. He wants to beat up the pastor to get the friend to shut up. The other is mad at the pastor because of whatever, and he comes in, a guy hugs him, and, and there's this flash moment. Something happens. They're born again, and the things of the Spirit become alive to them, and it changes their whole life. And, and, and we, we've all gone there. But what Really, I think Paul is calling for us to do is for us to grow deeper in it. And there's more for you. There's more for you. He goes on and says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things by the word of God, but they themselves can't necessarily be evaluated by others because people don't understand what God's doing in your life. Verse 16 talks about the mind of Christ. It says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? Well, nobody knows enough to teach the Lord anything. Uh, but we can know his thoughts. And it says, we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. We understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. We don't have the mind of Christ in our mind. We have the mind of Christ being revealed to us by his spirit. And as we, we read the scriptures and, and, and it comes alive, faith is quickened in us. And, 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 and now we understand the things of the spirit. We understand the things of the Lord. We can make the kind of decisions that are godly decisions that are they're good for us and the people around us. Am I making headway? Because I'm done. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight and we would probably all of us say, I want more of you.
I want more of you. And Lord, that's the truth. We do want more of you. We ask that you would be close to us. We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, some of us are so fresh and brand new in our walk with you that, that there's just so much for us to learn. We need things like the Alpha Course. We need help. Some of us are struggling with issues in our lives and, and, and we, we, we need help with those things. Some of us, Lord, we just want to get to know you. Come and reveal yourself to us, Lord. Show us your ways. Show us your will for our life, your plan for our life. But above all else, Lord, show us Jesus Christ and what he did for us and, and why it's meaningful to us on that cross. Show us Jesus. I'd like you to keep your eyes closed for a couple minutes longer and I want to pray a different prayer. And this prayer is for probably just a handful of people at the very most because virtually everybody else in this room has prayed this. And it's a prayer that says, God, I invite you to come into my life and transform me, make me into a new person. And I believe you can do this because you're able to forgive the wrong that's in my life because of what your son Jesus did on that cross, canceling my guilt with his suffering. And so if you would like to pray with me, um, I want you to pray silently. I will pray out loud. But I want to know if anybody's praying with me. And so if you want to pray with me, I want you to just, everybody around you has your eyes closed, I want you to raise your hand, and that'll tell me that we're praying together. I'm going to count to three. And if you want to pray and ask the Lord into your life, then, then just raise your hand up so I see it. One, two, three. This was one of those nights when nobody raised their hand, so everybody looked up. Been a good night? I am so happy to be home and back with you guys. I miss you. God bless.